quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Oh, yes, guy. Welcome aboard. Episode number 83, all set to sail. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Coming up on the broadcast today, very shortly, Carlo Koliakovo, former Leaf co-host of First Up on TSN 1050. Brian Crawford in segment number two, RBC Canadian Open Tournament Director since 2018 and a former CFL player. And Don Brennan from the Ottawa Sun uh, also writes uh, for a daily newsletter on sports gambling called Closing Lines. And that's our lineup today. And, of course, yes, guy, no guy on the way out. Perry, how are you this week, sir? Jim, doing great. What about yourself? Everything's good. Summer is here. And uh, the busy season, off season for hockey is here. And uh, the CFL well underway. So pretty exciting time, isn't it? Lots of sports. So many stories going on. Yes. And looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park, managing broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage has 27 award-winning years of real estate experience. So looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service, put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call them or text them at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be outworked by anyone. Check out Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan, in a sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic. Available now in titanium, gold, or matte black. Go to fox40shop.com. While we're talking about sleek bods, we're going to go to Carlo Koliakovo, co-host of First Up. CC, how are you? I'm good, Taddy. Sorry, just before we get going, did I just hear you promote that Charles Barkley is selling real estate in Toronto? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> that would be an interesting premise. I mean, here's the deal. Take it. I mean, you wouldn't say no to the guy, would you? Absolutely not. I mean, he's a salesman, that's for sure. Well, there we see Carlos Witt, uh, you know, the radio thing for me. Let's let's start with that. We'll deal with the obvious later on. Uh, how did the radio thing start for you? And, and you, like O-Dog and, and Frankie C, you three guys are what I call naturals. I mean, wh- where did all this come from for you? Well, thanks for the compliment, Jim. I, honestly, I have no idea where it came from. It was just sort of something that was presented to me um, at the time when I was contemplating still playing and trying to transition into what I would envision myself doing in my post career. And luckily for me, I mean, I always thought that I would transition into coaching or somewhere in hockey, whether it be player development or maybe at a management level, but I never thought it would be media, but, you know, lucky for me, uh, you know, the one thing that I encourage people is you never burn bridges in hockey because you always, you know, maintain your relationships because you never know where it's going to lead you. You know, with Jeff O'Neill and some other former players that work in the media and former people that I've uh, encountered throughout my career approached me with this opportunity of working at TSN and, and doing radio. And at the time I wasn't really too, you know, keen on it because I was still focused on playing, but just learning more about it and, what the job and the opportunity presented just to be, you know, settled in a, in a, in a place, which ultimately was, you know, the biggest factor for me, but creating stability and longevity with something that I would enjoy doing in my post career was my main priority. And I've always been a sports guy. I've, I've always watched and talked every sport. And obviously I played the game of hockey. So I watched and talked a lot of that too. And it just felt like, 
a natural transition for me. And I think the hardest thing for me when I first got into it was just trying to change the language that I was using when I played hockey, <laughs> where literally it's locker room talk because you're, you're using a swear word with every other word that you're using. And you're using that because it's motivational. But, you know, when you're in front of a live mic, that was the one thing I was most scared of. But working with a guy like Michael Landsberg um, was such a blessing for me because he was an experienced guy that had been in the industry for such a long time. And getting to um, embrace him as a really close friend and a really close working colleague was something that was really refreshing and a lot of fun at the time. And uh, I'm so grateful that I did it because it's allowed me to establish a different type of profile in the city that I grew up in, in the city that I first started my NHL career in, and now it's a city that hopefully I can create some stability and longevity for me and my family. So, Carlo, how long did it take you to get used to waking up at like 3.30 in the morning or somewhere <laughs> thereabouts? Jeez. Oh, boy. So, obviously, when the radio gig was presented to me, I met with Jeff McDonald, and there was a couple of options that were presented on the table, both with the morning show and with Leaf, Leaf's Lunch. And obviously, you know, my, my, my knowledge of hockey was what leaned me towards doing least lunch, but my passion for talking other sports, including the NFL, which I'm absolutely obsessed with, is what really drove me to consider doing the morning show. And so when you start to evaluate what the morning show is and what the commitment is for it, you start measuring the, the pros and the cons. And literally when I'm making that list, the only thing that I had on the con list was getting up at 4.30 in the morning. And so, and that was probably the most difficult thing for me to transition to because I've never been a morning person in my whole life. I don't think I ever saw the light of day before eight o'clock on most days. So, you know, to, to make that transition and to commit myself to a completely different lifestyle was obviously something that was going to be difficult in the beginning, but the more and more I did the job, the less and less I thought about it because it just became something that I would just obviously have to embrace and obviously have to, you know, move past thinking about it because it was the other fun things that I was doing that was not allowing me to think about, listening to my alarm at 4.30 in the morning. So um, now it's just, it's become a natural thing where you just get, you get used to it. You get used to your body being tired and the less you try to focus on it as, as a human being and as a parent, um, the more tired you become at night. Yes. But my obsession for watching sports is what keeps me going. And obviously you just, you, you learn to master the nap, which is something I've always loved in my playing career, the pregame naps, but you just learn to master it at different times of the day, which is, has become an adjustment, but a comfortable adjustment for me because the, the job is still a lot of fun for me. Carlo, can you compare it at all to playing in that the reps, the broadcast reps sort of turn it into something that, you know, it, it sort of evolves right in front of you, doesn't it? 100% that, man. Um, and that's what makes you better at this job. I mean, you can come in and, you know, you can talk all you want, but sometimes you have to learn that, Sometimes best expressing yourself in the shortest way possible keeps the listener engaged. And just not just that, it's learning how to talk within segments, how to get on and off, and just learning how to talk like a broadcaster that people want to listen to. A lot of it is energy. 
a lot of it is enthusiasm and, you know, obviously knowledge about what it is you're talking about. But more importantly than anything, it's building a kind of chemistry with the person that you're working with. Because if you have no chemistry with the person you're working with, it's really hard to find, uh, you know, some the cohesiveness. And it's really hard to find, you know, something that people would stay engaged in. So that was mostly the easiest part for me because I've always expressed myself as a very social butterfly in, in the public and I've always embraced meeting new people and getting to know new people and meeting, building new friendships with new people. And that's something that in the beginning with a guy like Michael Landsberg was an easy transition for me. And I think once you build that comfort of working with the people that you're working with, you start to learn the ins and outs of the industry as well too. And I think in the beginning, a lot of it for me was just listening and learning from other people in the industry. Obviously, O-Dog and, and Hayes are good friends of mine and O-Dog helped me get into it in the beginning. And he's a guy that I really enjoyed listening to. And Brian Hayes, I grew up with playing minor hockey with, and he was another guy I enjoyed listening to. I had a close relationship with Andy Petrillo, uh, who used to work Leafs Lunch, and I had a close, you know, so it was all familiar to me. But I felt like the more I listened to other people talk about the things that I was needed to talk about on a daily basis gave me more knowledge and experience of the things that I should prioritize to be better at and be comfortable at. Cause it's like you said, Tatman, the more you do things and it's not just radio, the more you do things, anything in life, the better you're going to be prepared for it and the better you're going to feel at doing the job, which is to me, I can't believe it's been what four years now that I've been doing this. And it seems like yesterday when I started. Carlo, Leaf Nation has probably went nuts watching what uh, was going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs, in particular with Nazem Kadri. Do you think the Leafs gave up on Nazem Kadri too soon? You know, that's a really tough question to answer because at the time the trade was made, I think a lot of people would agree that it was a move that was necessary. Um, I think where a lot of people get angry is that when you make a move like that, you would want a piece that is – uh, producing at the same level. And with Nazem Kadri, look, he was a beloved player in Toronto with the way that he played, who he was, where he came from. But he kind of made his own bet. You know, he kind of, you know, allowed the Maple Leafs to make that decision on him because of the lack of trust that he presented when – he was needed at the most important time of the year in the playoffs where, you know, it was, it was selfish acts on his own behalf that hurt himself and, and more importantly hurt the team and the success that they envisioned having him around. I think where people get frustrated on, you know, seeing him hoist the Stanley cup is that he was available, you know, mostly when he was healthy because at the, he got hurt during this playoff run but found a way to come back. But when he was available to play, he was a very, very productive player. And so you see the lack of success that the Maple Leafs had, have had since his departure and even when he was here in the playoffs. And it just – it builds to that frustration because, you know, the single piece that was prioritized coming back in that trade was Tyson Berry. And Tyson Berry was a bust in Toronto. And the other piece that that remained from that group was an Alex Kerfoot. And you saw some of the criticism that Alex Kerfoot faced in this year's playoffs with some of the mistakes that he made. So um, I get there's revisionist history here when people are, you know, sitting back and, and revisiting 
the trade that was of Nazem Kadri, but there's arguments to be made on both sides as to why the trade was made. Obviously, the addition of John Tavares, was, which was more of a, a luxury than a necessity at the time, exposed the idea of a Nazem Kadri you know, being traded from Toronto. So there's so many factors that go into this trade. Ultimately, yes, if, if you had to rewind the clock, it'd probably be a trade that you'd want to take back, and not just because it was trading Nazem Kadri, but it was because you didn't address certain things that you hoped to address in the trade because it just didn't work out for the Maple Leafs the same way it worked out for the Colorado Avalanche. Carlo, just a, a quick thought on the way out. I mean, you know, when you think of Kadri, you think of the swagger and the offensive um, upgrade and, and just that uh, ability to get under people's skin. I mean, that's a missing element on the Leafs team, isn't it? It sure is, Jimmy. And it's been a missing element for many years with this team, which is why there's another year of continued frustration of not being able to win at the most important time of the year. I think most people will agree this Maple Leafs team has been a really good uh, regular season team. Uh, team Players have had um, career years with this group. But you, year after year, you see the type of player that is needed to have success in the playoffs. I mean, you see some of the the, the warrior mentality that is displayed with what guys play through and the sacrifices they make with their body. And if you can look at this Maple Leafs roster, I don't know how convinced you can be that they have those type of players on this team. Uh, I mean, I think the lack of success is, is all you need to see just because of the way they've lost in the consecutive years that they've lost. You know, twice they've had a 3-2 series lead with two games to win one and they couldn't close it out and consecutive five years in a row, they've lost in a winner take all game. So what does that say about the players that they have on this lineup? It, it, to me, it just says that they don't have the complete buy-in from certain guys to commit themselves to do whatever it takes and the sacrifice to, to do whatever it takes to win the most important game of the year that is needed to ultimately have them envision a second round playoff series. And, and that's frustrating because I don't want to take away from the team that the Maple Leafs are. They are a very good team with very good players, but show me and allow me to say that about a team that is having playoff success, which is again, something that they're going to have to try to overcome this year as well. And they're going to have to do, try to overcome it with, you know, more changes to the roster. And when you're continually changing over the roster year after year like that, I just don't know how you can envision that, that success that you envision knowing that there's other teams around you that are getting better. Interesting times ahead. Carlo, thanks very much. Really appreciate this. Anytime for you guys. All the best. Take care. Thank you. If you are an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage, contact Charles Park. Managing broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. For a confidential interview, call Charles at 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.com. Master your game strategy with Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. This is YESGUY, the radio show on TSN 1050. 
This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Master your game strategy with Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. YESGUY, the radio show, Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Pleased to have with us Brian Crawford, former CFL player, now RBC Canadian Open Tournament Director since 2018. Brian, welcome. How are you today, sir? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for uh, having me. Our pleasure to have you on. So so let's go through. I, I mean, the obvious question relates to the RBC Canadian Open that just passed. This was, uh, I want to say, the best ever. I mean, it was just, it was really a, a, a feel-good event, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, we're certainly all very pleased uh, with the results, uh, with our champion, with the weather, uh, with the turnout of uh, all of our uh, fans and uh, and supporters, and it uh, you know really was uh, a pretty great week. And you know what were some uh, wild circumstances uh, as well, but you know our uh, host uh, partners at St George's and Islington, you know the golf course put on uh, an amazing show, and and we couldn't have asked for really a better a better result to uh, to return after a couple years in absence. Well, Brian, I went to the RBC Canadian Open. It was my first time seeing a PGA Tour in the flesh, as it were. And I have to say it was one of the most amazing experiences because you can watch it all you want on TV, but there is nothing quite like seeing it in person. I'm wondering if you get that reaction from a lot of the people that were there. Oh, well, thanks. That's great to hear, Perry. And, you know, absolutely. I mean, that that is our, our objective. We're running a sport and entertainment uh, property and an event that uh, – you know, is appealing to more than just the core golf fan. Um, you know, we want to uh, give people an experience and, and what better thing to do, you know, at the beginning of the summer. And we like to say, you know, we kick off summer in Canada uh, to, and to be outside, uh, enjoying the great golf, enjoying the weather, enjoying food and drinks, uh, you know, the RBCX Music Concert Series, which we've had now the last couple of years, all of our other, uh, you know, fantastic partner activations on site. Uh, you know, it's a it's a different sort of event that uh, you know we've been trying uh, really hard over the last couple of iterations to uh, expose to uh, an increasing uh, amount of people that maybe have never been to a PGA Tour golf event and and see what it's all about and and realize that hey that's that's something I want to be a part of every year. Brian, I went to the press conference early in the week in which Rory uh, McIlroy was very upfront about a lot of things, including the Lib Tour. Was it gratifying for you and just the people you work with to have Rory be so upfront about his support, you know, for the PGA Tour? Well, I mean, absolutely. You know, Rory McIlroy is uh, an amazing champion for us to have and a back-to-back champion uh, to boot now. Uh, he is a tremendous uh, ambassador for uh, the game, even even before kind of, you know, the recent months. You know, he was an international ambassador for the game uh, of golf. Um, obviously, a phenomenal player, but, you know, a tremendously thoughtful uh, and, and smart um, guy who, you know, is really, uh, you know, cares about what it is that he's doing um, and the impact that uh, the PJ Tour uh, has. Uh, and it's not just on golfers. It's about the charitable contributions that each of the tournaments, including ours, uh, makes to, you know, our community partners and, and the charitable beneficiaries uh, of our events. So, 
um, you know, it was it was an interesting week. Obviously, we were you know kind of planning to have this uh, great return, which we did, but we also were kind of forefront in in what is a you know very hot um, uh, topic in golf right now, and in in the emergence of a competing uh, golf event. So. Um, you know, to have Rory representing our tournament uh, is certainly something we're really proud of. Brian, I've been trying to come up with a word here, and I, I'm coming up with, with comfortable, and, and that might be an undersell for where the uh, RBC Canadian Open is now on the PGA Tour schedule and, and sort of the uh, the cluster of, of uh, homes on a, on a rotation that it has. If you go back a number of years when it was played at another point of the schedule that seemed uncomfortable, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think all of us that um, you know are part of the RBC Canadian Open and certainly led first and foremost by our title in RBC and, and everything that they have invested into uh, this event, but in golf as a whole, uh, you know, sponsoring two tournaments uh, on the PGA Tour, um, uh, you know, having Team RBC supporting so many uh, different aspects of grassroots golf um, here in Canada. You know, there isn't a more invested partner in sport in our country than RBC is into, into golf and really helping drive that. And uh, as you mentioned, to go from, you know, what was a challenge date following uh, the Open Championship uh, in July for many years uh, in 2019 to move to that new June date. As I said, we, we are really just kick off to summer uh, in Canada, and, and it just provided so many more opportunities uh, with the field, um, firstly, but then with all sorts of other areas that um, wouldn't maybe necessarily come to mind. So I, I think that, you know, with with that support that we had from our title and then the PGA Tour, we've been able to uh, leverage that change and really capitalize. And we've, you know, started to build, you know, uh, a refreshed, exciting uh, event that people want to be part of. So, Brian, let's go back to your CFL career, all with the Argos. You set a franchise record for special teams tackles. I want to know what is the mentality of playing on special teams? Because it just doesn't get a lot of respect in terms of big plays from offense, big plays from defense, even though it's a critical job. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I always looked at, uh, you know, playing on special teams, like, you know, you, if you did your job and you did job, your, your job well, um, you could have as big of an impact in many ways um, on the outcome of the game and, and your team um, having success. So, um, you know, I always kind of treated it uh, as no different than being a starter at any other uh, position. Um, and as you know, it's a huge part of the Canadian uh, game. Uh, and so that, that's kind of how, how I looked at it and how I approached, uh, you know, approached the game to, to do my job and to excel, you know, at my job and, and probably got, you know, more um, a, a attention, I guess you could say, than probably ever deserved for a special teams player. But, um, you know, it was a wonderful, uh, a wonderful way to kind of get started in, in, in life, uh, in your kind of professional life, so to speak, and, and some great, uh, great times that, uh, that are, you know, going to be with me, you know, forever. So, that's... You know, Brian, did you ever look at how I was going about the room talking to all these star players? And did you ever say, hey, Perry, come on, give me some love, man. I'm important too. <laughs> no, but, you know, I think that uh, that's what kind of what I was alluding to. I kind of fell into a role of, you know, as a you know, leader on the team, as, you know, someone who, you know, did actually, you know, speak to you quite often, Perry and others, and uh, and on behalf of the team. And we always, you know, I was really fortunate to have, you know, some amazing returners. Uh, I think I had three different uh, different guys win uh, such teams player of the year. Um, and, uh, you know, those guys got uh, a lot of attention for the special teams because of how exciting they were. And, uh, and then, you know, the years with uh, Coach O'Shea coaching the special teams and some of the creative stuff that, 
we would do that would uh, drive attention. So, you know, your jobs uh, definitely shouldn't be a glamorous one, but we seem to uh, to get more attention than, as I said, probably uh, deserve it during those years. Brian, on special teams, I mean, you never really know how much you're going to play. In some games, you're going to play a lot and, and others maybe not. How do you sort of even all that out? Yeah, I mean, you got to go in ready to play as much as you're uh, as you're called upon, right? The uh, the reality is you could have a whole bunch of plays all in a really short succession of time if you get a bunch of two and outs and and these sorts of things, a quick score, uh, all those sorts of things uh, that happen in the game that uh, you know mean the special teams have to kind of trot back out there. So there's times where hey, maybe you just covered a missed field goal. And uh, you get a you get a quick stand, and then you got to return the kick, and then maybe it's a two and out, and they got to punt away, or you get a quick score, and it's kickoff again, and so you just got to be you got to be ready. And uh, I think any any football player wants to get out there and play as much as they possibly can, and and uh, you certainly welcome the opportunities to to go out uh, onto the field. So you know I I appreciated uh, when the offense was humming and the defense was playing well, um, and uh, whatever it kind of meant for the special team was uh, what we had to do. Brian, you transitioned after your football career into an administrative role with uh, uh, univer- or the Ontario Universities. Um, then you went into Basketball Canada. Now you've gone into a, uh, a significant role in the golf world. I'm wondering if in your next if you're looking beyond this and thinking about a role in politics, just to challenge yourself. <laughs> oh, geez. No, I, I love working in sport. Uh, and, you know, I was really fortunate, you know, it was Spinball who kind of gave me the advice uh, early in my career, you know, when I was thinking about what to do long-term and had done, uh, done a bunch of school and wasn't quite sure what the long-term thing was. And he says, you know, figure out what you love to do and make it a career. And, you know, for me, it wasn't necessarily uh, to be a coach and I didn't play, you know, in a sport that uh, you could, you know, retire from permanently, uh, you know, but uh, sport admin and the business uh, aspect of sport was something I really enjoyed and appreciated. And I was fortunate to uh, to be able to have some opportunities to uh, to do that and work for quite a few years of my playing career uh, to really get started. And then, you know, to be able to have the opportunity to make the decision to you know retire when I did because I had you know, really fantastic opportunities kind of for the long term following my playing career. So, you know, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a great ride. It's taken me some amazing places. I don't know that I ever would have thought, you know, years ago that I'd be working in golf. And it's been just a tremendous uh, honor and blessing to work in work in this sport and, and on, on this uh, particular event that is you know, certainly one of the one of the best and, you know, most uh, important in, in the country on an annual basis. Well, you just mentioned pinball and, you know, the impact he's had on your career and post-career. I'm wondering if all your time with pinball, did you ever see the guy not smile? Never, never. You know, uh, pinball is, there's a lot that uh, I, you know, was able to learn from him and try to take, you know, with me as, as I would say, most of my teammates uh, that uh, had the fortune of being around him uh, did. And, and, you know, it's that attitude, right? The positive attitude. I mean, don't, don't get pinball mistaken. He is a fiercely competitive guy and, uh, but he approaches everything with the positive attitude that you really need to be successful and to ride the ups and downs that you can face, um, you know, in sports and certainly in life, right? That um, if you don't uh, let yourself, um, get too down when things are bad or, or too high when things are good and, uh, you know, understand that you've got to you kind of find that consistency. So, you know, he was um, he was a great, uh, great coach and, and mentor and role model to so many of us and, you know, really fortunate to have to have an opportunity to know him personally uh, for a long time. 
Brian, let's end on, on golf. So as the Canadian Open Tournament Director for RBC um, since 2018, you know, walking through the facility, getting into the grounds, I mean, obviously the golf course is the most important thing, but it's all that infrastructure, that PGA Traveling Roadshow, which is massive. I mean, what is the most misunderstood or underappreciated thing about finding a venue for this? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, and that's, that is the biggest thing. I mean, people tend to, you know, over-index on the importance of the golf course. And, of course, uh, that's why we're there inside the ropes and, and the competition. Um, and, you know, we have been really fortunate to have some amazing golf courses in St. George's and, and Hamilton uh, in 2019 and now coming up Oakdale in uh, 2023. Um, but the reality is there's so much more that uh, factors in uh, to be able to uh, host an event of this scale, you know, from the broadcast compounds to catering to obviously the, the massive build out of uh, space from corporate hospitality areas to partner activations and, uh, you know, kind of general admission seating and all these sorts of uh, sorts of things. So, you know, all of those factors um, come into play when we're trying to determine a venue and trying to figure out the feasibility of, of hosting, uh, hosting the event. So yeah, those, those are the kind of the inside baseball things that, you know, people uh, aren't familiar with, you know, from the outside uh, looking in. And there's, you know, there's a reason why not very many events on the PGA tour, you know, change venues on a yearly basis. Uh, and that's because uh, it is a big challenge to, to find uh, homes that can accommodate it. Brian, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much guys. That's Brian Crawford, RBC Canadian Open Tournament Director since 2018, former CFL player. This segment is sponsored by Brantley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Brantley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, BrantleyAdvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Brantley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Well, let's talk about advanced planning, your life, your say, your tribute, and, of course, your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors, let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, the radio show, TSN 1050. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Stay safe, stay heard with the Fox 40 electronic whistle producing 100 decibels at the push of a button. The electronic whistle is perfect to bring along for any outdoor activity. Don't forget to use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox 40 Shop. Dot com. So guest number three today is Don Brennan, has worked for the Ottawa Sun since 1988, writes about sports gambling, has a daily newsletter called Closing Lines. Don, welcome. How are you today, sir? Very good, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. So just off the top, with sports gambling, with wagering, uh, the way it is allowed to happen now, I mean, literally, in every sense of the word, whether it be uh, revenue for broadcast or newspapers in terms of advertisement in terms of the content that you generate it's added another layer to literally everything you do doesn't it well it's actually uh been i think very good for business very good for sports in general i I think it's you know everybody likes to have a little bit of something on the game whether you're in a pool um a fantasy league uh rotisserie league and and up to pro line bets that we made for so many years now it's it's an opportunity to to sign up with the sports book in Ontario, and 
I tell you, there's just so many different options and, and so many different uh, faucets of the of the the bets that you can make on a sports event. There, to me, it's really become very exciting. Well, Don, very serious question right off the top. Did you ever see the Flintstones episode where Fred has a problem with betting? <laughs> bet, 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 bet. Yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that a couple of times. <laughs> I think that's must viewing for anybody that wants to bet. Okay, now a truly serious question. Do you think it's possible to make money betting on sports? Yeah, I do. I mean, I've, I've talked to, uh, of late, I've really been spending a lot of time talking to a friend of mine who's a professional gambler. He's outlined a lot of strategies and techniques to to uh, go with. I mean, you've got to be obviously very careful. You've got to manage your bankroll. You've got to understand the value that's being offered with different books. Um, you 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 can't be chasing bets. Uh, it's it's something that you spend you have to spend a lot of time on, Perry. But I think interestingly um, that I that I found out when in, in uh, getting involved in this is that. You know, the true, the sharks, the, the true professionals, the, the guys who spend all day looking at the games and, and, and reading about all the teams and everything like that, they're, they're lucky to get 60%. So, um, yeah, you've got to be careful and you, you've got to minimize your expectations, I think. There's a lot of people uh, that watch sports right now in the media and they say, like, the gambling element has taken away from just watching sports. Do you feel... Do you share that opinion that, you know, it's, it's diverted from just what, are, what you're seeing? I mean, you can make that argument. I have friends that tell me that uh, you wouldn't watch um, sports if you, if you weren't involved with fantasy leagues in some way. And I think that's true, too, for a lot of people. Um, you know, the, the hardcore fans, maybe they're not as many as uh, of them as there were years ago. But, I mean, I think it's all for a good thing. I think it's, it's going to just... Um, add to the interest uh, in, in games that you normally wouldn't watch. I mean, there was a Jays game a couple of days ago that, that I had a, a, a wager on a small wager on, but, um, and they were getting blown out, but I also took same game, same game parlays with that game. And I was right in until the very end. In fact, I, I cashed when uh, Calvin Biggio had his second hit of the day. I mean, it's just something that kept me watching a game that they were otherwise getting uh, blown away in. Don, back to your point of, uh, you know, I mean, it is saturated. Media is saturated with uh, different um, avenues to explore your your wagering uh, dreams or however you want to say that. Um, but, but that's the start. I mean, this is just new. As, as you project a couple of years down the road, how do you see this sort of evolving and, and like, would it be as saturated as it is, or is this just like a sort of an intro? Well, I definitely think we're getting hit by a wave right now with the ads and, and, and everything you talked about. But uh, I believe it's going to be the new way of the world. I mean, I think it's going to just stick with us. I mean, the, the betting the, um, will be part of sports going forward. Uh, the books, I think you're going to see more and more books pop up. I mean, these guys are making lots of money. And I, and I think that, you know, there's always going to be a few of us, a few people out there that think that uh, they can make it rich or at least win some, some money um, down the road. So I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's here to stay for sure. Don, before you became a preeminent writer about gambling, you were a sports writer. You told me the other day about an interesting episode, how you covered a bunch of events one after another. You can now tell the story, but you have only two minutes to tell or the buzzer goes off. 
few minutes is going to be tough. Okay, put the clock on me right now. Let's see. I started in, t- in 2018. I covered the Grey Cup in Edmonton. Got back from that, and my boss sent me to cover um, the NFL playoffs. So I was I hit about four or five different cities over the course of the next month and a half leading up to the Super Bowl, which I also covered. I came back from that, and I was sent to Dunedin for two weeks to cover the Blue Jays. Came back from that, and I was sent to cover the NHL playoffs. And it, once again, I visited a lot of different cities and covering the playoffs right till the very end, Game 7, St. Louis Blues, Boston Bruins, two hours before the game. I'm outside TD Garden taking a few pictures of the hoopla surrounding the uh, the, the event. And for some reason, coming down the stairs, I got my feet tangled up and tripped and landed um, on the cement floor, hit my head. Um, I, there were some medics there. There were some people. I said, no, I, I can't. They wanted me to go to the hospital. I can't. I've got to cover Game 7. Then they took my blood pressure and said, "Listen, we're going to take you over to the hospital. We'll have you back by the start of uh, by the start of the game." Whoever has been to a hospital and been in and out in an hour and a half, nobody, right? So I ended up sitting through Game Seven, uh, Massachusetts General Hospital, having tests done. As it turns out, um, I'm okay. Thanks for your concern. Yeah. So afterwards, were you asked whether it was an upper body or lower body injury, and were you were you required to disclose it? Yeah, no. Well, my I told my boss I figured it was a good idea to let him know. Fortunately, we had another guy from Post Media, Michael Trakos, was also at the game, so uh, he picked up the load. But um, yeah, I, I uh, was on the uh, IL for uh, a couple of months after that, but I'm back. So, Don, aside from that disappointment, when you look at all those things that you've covered after, uh, certainly during the, the, the bulk of your career, what is the worst sporting event you ever covered? Oh, boy, the worst. That's a, I, that's catching me a little bit off guard. I, I do know that... Um, Don't I say curling, okay? Come on. <laughs> I, no, I love curling. I, I grew to love equestrian, which I had no experience with at all. Um, I remember after uh, covering uh, uh, the Senators one year and getting notified like right after they were eliminated, like minutes after they were eliminated, that I was to cover the uh, World Ringette Championships, which were being held in Ottawa. And uh, my boss wanted me to write, I, I think it was two pages per day um, on, on the uh, tournament. And I didn't have any, a lot of experience um, with Ringette, although I'm, I do come from North Bay, home of Ringette. Uh, but watching it at that, that. Le- at, at that level, it was it was uh, well, it wasn't very interesting. I mean, there was two teams that were really good, and the rest it was there was shots on goal, eighty five to three, um, just really lopsided uh, games. And I think I might have been the only member of the media there for the, for the whole thing, anyway. So that uh, was long and tedious, and I had a good time, but it would probably rank as the worst. Well, if that was the worst, then I have to ask you, what was the best? Oh, man. I, I tell you, I've always enjoyed spring training. So being down in Dunedin for two weeks and uh, either going to their complex or getting in the rental and driving to um, another uh, city close by in Florida well, within a couple of hours to watch a game, cover a game. I really enjoyed covering spring training. Just the atmosphere is uh, is so much fun. And I've also, and I'm, I'm going to say like a 1B, is uh, LPGA events I've covered. Brooke Anderson is from Ottawa or the Ottawa area. And uh, 
I first uh, covered her on the LPGA tour when she was 15 years old playing in uh, the um, U.S. Open in Long Island. And I drove to Long Island. I was there for the week and uh, just loved being around uh, the golfers. Uh, so nice and such a great event. And yeah, LPGA, I'd, I think that uh, when I grow up, I'd like to become a full-time LPGA guy. If there's somebody out there that's looking to hire me when I grow up, that is. Um, let's end on this. Uh, after four weeks of the CFL season, the East is, well, pathetic. That's tough, isn't it? That's per usual, though, these days, is it not? I mean, I guess there's yeah. big swings from year to year, but, yeah, right now it's another one of those, or not year to year, but segments of years to segments of years, but right now it's another one of those down periods for the East. And I guess if you're going to look back, over time there's more down periods for the east than there is for the west but yeah it's 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 amazing really how they can't be more uh, there can't be more parity between the two divisions i mean why why can't the east produce the same kind or find the same kind of talent come up with the same t- kind of uh, players like i you're, you're talking about somebody that's been in ottawa since 1988 um and there were some very very shady poor Rough Riders teams in the early going there, but they're a lot of fun to cover, but man, oh man, you just, it's a nine team league guys, like try to get it right. Like how come you can't make it to the playoffs in 40 years or whatever it was for the, the early day Rough Riders. So yeah, it's just another one of those uh, cycles, I guess that we're in. Don really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Anytime. It's been a pleasure guys. Nice talking to you. Thank you. That's Don Brennan from the Ottawa Sun and his daily newsletter is called Closing Lines. Homeowners are first time buyers. If you're considering purchasing refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Manny, TMG Safe Bridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTG Dean or give him a call at 416-885-1761. In the 40 Ways of the Fox, Ron Foxcroft lights the ways for new entrepreneurs and business veterans alike. Net proceeds of all book sales go to Liberty for Youth and City Kids, two organizations that do wonderful work in our community. Order your copy now at fox40shop.com. Let's talk about advanced planning. Your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. Yes, guy. No guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the fully sanctioned edition of Yes, Guy, No Guy on Yes, Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Go ahead, sir. Leaf Nation was excited when they heard Peter Morazic was traded. Oh, absolutely. Yes, guy. Opens up some cap space. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> With more hijinks planned and unplanned on the way uh, throughout the weekend and leading up to free agent frenzy, uh, which, of course, will have extensive coverage in TSN 1050 on Wednesday. Yes, guy, no guy. Nothing more painful than missing a point after to tie a game in the dying seconds in the CFL. Ouch. Ouch. It happened to the Alouettes, then it happened to the Argos. So, yes, it's a painful way to lose a game. Go ahead, sir. You're already getting excited about Tiger Woods in the Open Championship, also known as the British Open. Oh, yes, guy. I mean, anything Tiger does is exciting, and uh, you still see the the star power of the man. And, And so, absolutely, I think you would agree with me, wouldn't you? I love seeing Tiger Woods in action. It'll be great next week. I'll be getting up early in the morning to watch. Yes, guy, no guy. Will you? Uh, yes, guy. Uh, so let, let's segue into this. It's it's a hard turn to the right. Yes, guy, no guy. 
the ultimate line from Cliff Fletcher, draft schmaft, still applies. Yes, guy, and a no guy, because it worked well for the Leafs. But listen, when you get those first-round draft choices up high like Montreal did, it matters. So that's a yes guy, no guy. Is that okay, guy? Yes, guy. Yeah, well done, guy. Go ahead, sir, guy. All right. Next Wednesday, you will be up early to catch all the action on the free agent frenzy. Yes, guy, absolutely. One of my favorite days. Now, let me counter with this on the way up. Yes, guy, no guy. Free agent frenzy is futile. No way, man. I don't know how to answer that anywhere than no. It's exciting, guy. So on that, we'll say thanks for joining us for Episode 83. Hope you come back next week for Episode 84 of Yes, Guy. And let's leave on this. Yes, Guy! <laughs>